Hello friends, welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast. My name is Derek, like always, this is episode 97, can you believe it? We are getting there to that episode number 100, which, spoiler alert, it has already, it has already been recorded actually. Uh, you will really enjoy it just as you will enjoy this one, because it's with a very special, particular, unique guest, just like the one we have, because this one will be different to all the other ones that we have been doing, because actually... Not only the guest, it's a board gamer, but as you can read on the title, he has been in the show since the beginning. Actually, he was on episode number three, where we talk about Street Master, so you can check out that episode. He was very young on the podcast, and uh, he, he's also a magician, so we're going to talk more about as the episode begins. Like always, if you want to support the show, you can do it in many ways. One of them is following us in social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Solo BG Podcast. Just look for us. Give us a follow, give us a like, whatever you want. That really helps to support the show. Keep going. Another way that you can support the show and get some fantastic games for you is to go to Kickstarted Games. That's Kickstarted with ED. Kickstartedgames.com and get 15% off from your total purchase with the code SOLOBG. Also, if you happen to be in the United States, for every $100 you spend, you get free shipping. So there you go. There's many ways that you can support the show. And of course... With one of those, you can get fantastic games. Uh, like I mentioned before, there's coming up some reviews very soon. After we finish with this series of episodes with guests, it's going to come Thundertone Quest for review. We're going to talk about Destinies soon as well. From Lucky Dog Games, like I mentioned you in the previous episode with David Turksy, that's one of the games that I'm really looking forward to tell you all about because I already played it three times and I've been liking it a lot. So I will tell you more into that. Once we reach that episode, also the Ghostbusters Blackout from IDW is coming on and many other games that some amazing publishers had sent and which I really appreciated. So with that being said, let's start like always with some touch of magic in this time. But let's start in three, two, one. Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. Alrighty, my friends. So like I told you under the introduction, we are here for another episode, episode 97. And as you read on the title, I'm here with my good friend that one that started everything, the magician, the professional magician, I would say, my good and amazing and fantastic friend, Caleb Wiles. Caleb, how are you tonight? I'm good. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Actually, and you're probably going to hear some back and forth because we're sharing mics. Um, this is the first time that we have an interview on the podcast. It's not the first time that I record with somebody because we record... Street Masters back in 2018, I think it was like around October or November because it was episode number three or number four, but this is the first time that I have you as an interviewer here, I guess that's the right word, and also the first time that I record an interview live on the studio, aka as the Derek Boards Game Room, right? Yeah, we are surrounded by piles and piles of games. I can't describe it. You have to see it to believe it. Yeah, I will take some pictures and, and share it on social media. Caleb, you know, I have said in the past in a few episodes that 
We're gonna we're gonna talk about more about your origins as a board gamer. We will go into that. We're gonna talk about Kickstarters, of course, because that's one of that's a big part of the hobby for you and me that we share a lot, and we're always texting about Kickstarters and upcoming campaigns. But also, we're gonna talk about your mag uh, magician life because you're a professional magician. You have been in Vegas. You have been in many other places, touring in Canada and stuff. So I'm pretty sure some of the amazing listeners will recognize you from some some places. And and yeah, we're gonna talk about a lot. So uh, we're also gonna share with our listeners your top five games ever. Uh, I know it's this is hard because um, you know when. When we talk about lists, and if you ask me, Derek, what are your top five solo games right now? I, will, I have no idea. I'm for sure I'm not going to mention Rambo, because that's a game <laughs> that I just bought. And I watched some videos. I haven't even played it. And it seems like a very bad game. But I will play it, and I will bring the, my thoughts to you, amazing listeners. Anyway, I just watched the movie again, by the way. The first blood, just to get me motivated. But um, um, I know it's hard, Kelly, but I know you will do good with your list of top five favorite games, or at least your top What do you say? 10 out of 10 or 5 out of 5 games? Yeah, these are all games that I rank like 10 out of 10. They're, you know, as high as I can rank a game. It still makes my heart break to think of all the other ones I'm not putting on this list. And yeah. if you ask me on another day, I may give you a different list. But uh, this is a solid five, top five. Okay, all right. So let's let's start. Let's let's start with your number five. We're going to be uh, talking like every other interview. We go, we're going to go through your top five. And between, just like you know, amazing listeners, we're going to be... You know, throwing questions about life. I'm going to share once again the story of how I began playing in solo board games because Caleb was a key part on that. And then we go from there. So tell me your number five and why. So we're going to start off the list with just a game that's just pure fun. It's probably not the best design on the list or anything okay. along those lines, uh, but it's Western Legends. Okay, yeah, nice. And uh, I first saw this at Gen Con a few years ago uh, and passed on it and kind of hadn't heard of the game and I had to go home and look it up. And when I looked it up, I regretted instantly not buying it when I was there. So I spent the next year looking for it and finally got it uh, in my collection into the table. And I just love how uh, free you are. It's like a you know a sandbox game. So you can rob other players. You can be good and you can arrest them. You could rob a bank. You could go play poker. You can see a show. You can uh, you know go fight bandits. You can really do whatever you want in the game. And what's really cool is that the uh, it has a deck of cards. It's just a regular 52 card deck with you know four suits just like normal and you use those cards for multi-use uh, purposes which i always enjoy that in games uh so this one just a lot of fun uh i've never had a bad session of this and uh yeah that's my number five number five western lane actually that's a game that i really enjoy i don't know if it will ever be on my top 10 favorite but i remember the the you know the let's let's share the memory i remember uh you bought this game on gen con we were there And then after, you know, the vendor hall, we went to the playing hall or gaming hall, which just talking about it brings memories and excitement of this uh, unique Gen Con of 2021, of course. But uh, anyway, I didn't get to play at that time with you. I, I, I know you were playing on, by my side with your, uh, I think it was your sister, with your, with your uh, brother-in-law, with your wife, Crystal. And on the other side, I, it was me with my friend Carlos, I remember, his wife and uh, his daughter. And we were playing uh, Legendary X-Files, if I remember correctly. Anyway, we went to Caleb's house a few weeks after. I didn't play that game that time. And when I was playing the first round, Caleb, I remember going to Amazon right away. Sorry for the for the uh, sponsorship, I guess, but <laughs> or the copyright. Yeah. But I right away went to Amazon and get myself a copy. You remember that? Yeah, I, I knew instantly when I played the game, this was exactly up your <laughs> alley. I knew you would love the game. 
Uh, it's just a lot of fun, like I said. And it's one of those, like, sometimes it's just randomness, see what happens, uh, has an element of that. But it just, to me, it's exactly what I think of when I just think of, like, uh, you know, a fun board game where you can just relax and, you, you know, you want to win, but you don't care if you win. It's just the journey that yeah. you get to take. And actually, after we record this episode, we're going to play some games. And now you're bringing me ideas of, of potentially which games can we play. But one of, that, one of the nice things about that game is actually you have a set of cards, kind of like the traditional poker Texas Hold'em cards. You know, you go have your kings, your queens, your, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, Jack. Jack. Uh, you see language better here. Uh, you know, the cool thing about being uh, a, f- a, f- a friend from Caleb is that I don't have to finish sentences. He, he already gets it, right? That's right. I'm used to you now. Yeah, you're used to me. Anyway, you have those cards. And talking about those cards, eight, seven, six, five, aces, um, Caleb, like I mentioned, he's a magician. So, Caleb, tell us a little bit more about more that. Tell us a little bit how did you start on magic and why magic and how that all that came to your life. Yeah, so I started uh, over 20 years ago when I was, uh, I think, a sophomore in high school. And okay. I always liked magic but never learned it. And then I think I saw an infomercial for, you know, some VHS <laughs> set of tapes you could get to learn magic. Uh, I couldn't afford it, and I thought, okay, I've got to, there's got to be another way of getting to this information. So went to the library, and you know, just like any other hobby, you just learn more and more, and you dive deeper and deeper. Okay. Um, and then I've always loved the creative aspect of magic, so uh, I do perform sort of on the side as a professional magician for mostly corporate events and uh, cocktail parties and things like that. Uh, but my real passion is the creation of magic. So I've written a number of books, and I have instructional DVDs and trick deck of, of cards and things like that on the market. Uh, so I just love, I guess my two favorite things in the world to do are to go to a magic convention and hang out with a bunch of magicians <laughs> or go to a board game convention and hang out with a bunch of board gamers. Uh-huh. Uh, and I have a few friends who fit into both sides of that Venn diagram. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we, we, you, you can mention them. I guess it will be okay. So who do you know from the industry that either are magician fans uh, or are actually magicians and board gamers as well? Now, I have to say, I'm a magician fan as well. I don't do any magic. My fingers are too fat and too slow. But, um, you know, even you showed me a trick the other day, I remember, and I don't even remember how to do it. But I'm a fan of magic in a mean way. I'm a fan of magic on, you know, that. And I say in a mean way, like, you know me. And 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 I know probably you can hear Kelly very well, but he's laughing. Um, I'm, I'm a magician fan in a mean way that I want to I wanna believe that magic is real, but at the same time, I want to know how he did it which it doesn't make any sense because, I mean, it's either one way or the other. But anyway, I- I'm taking the, the subject that way. Who do you know that it's in the board game industry? I know you have very close friends. Actually, you have a very, uh, a very good friend that I am actually got some of my inspiration from him, uh, which I'm pretty sure you're going to mention. And he also kind of, I have shared the story, kind of sent me the first email to say like, hey, uh, you should start a podcast, you know, about your, your hobby and this and that. So anyway, who do you know that it's in the industry or the hobby and also magicians? We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. 
Yeah, there's a few people. Um, you know, some are more on the famous magic side. Uh, Brent Braun's one of my best friends. He's uh, super into board games, but he also owns a magic shop, and he's a consultant for a lot of uh, tele- uh, magic you see on television. Okay. Um, he's also created, you know, his own magic. Uh, is that the game that I made on your house? You did. <laughs> yes, this is, uh, yeah, the story when uh, Derek met uh, Brent was he was telling Brent, oh, I love Kalu's magic, but you know, my favorite thing to do is to try to mess him up. So, you know, if, if, he's, if he's got a deck of cards, they say, oh, can I shuffle that deck? Or, oh, can I see up your sleeve? And he's always like looking in your pocket. He's like really being antagonistic. And then after he, telling uh, about his, uh, the way he perceives magic and the way he reacts to magic, he says, so Brent, show me a trick. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. Um, but then there's also uh, Brian Drake on the Dice Tower. Uh, we've interacted briefly. Hopefully I'll get the chance to meet him at a future convention. He's a professional magician. Um, he does tons of shows. You can see some footage of him online. Uh, and obviously got the Dice Tower reviews going on. Uh, and Rodney Smith uh, and I connected uh, here in the last year or so. Because uh, we just have shared interest in, uh, again, board games and magic. So uh, I think it just attracts a lot of the same sort of puzzle, problem-solving parts of your brain. So people who like magic and like the puzzle of magic, uh, a lot of them tend to like uh, board games as well. Okay, now... I guess, and now probably a few listeners are interested in know about magic, and now that you mentioned some names, uh, they're probably like, oh, that's cool, you know, I have always liked magic. And I guess being a magician or, or just the magic universe kind of fits very well with our hobby because we have all these board games that more as the theme rather than something else really involves magic, you know? So what would you, what would you tell somebody that, you know, has been curious about going on magic? What, what, what a normal person like me... I mean, not me because I'm a mean magician fan, but what a normal person should do in order to begin with doing magic tricks. Do they need to buy like one of those cheap sets that they used to sell at Toys R Us and just like with the hat and all the stuff or what, what they should do? Yeah, so magic's a lot different landscape than it was when I first started or if, when you were a kid, if you would have got a magic set for Christmas or if you would have went, like I said, to the public library. Now everything's online. So, you know, it used to be that magicians never sh- share their secrets and that was sort of like, the saying you would always uh, hear. And now the secrets are hidden sort of in the open. I, I mean, the, the thing that separates somebody who wants to become a magician from somebody who uh, is a magician is just effort and time and getting out there and researching. If you're looking for uh, an intro to magic, I would recommend a book called Magic the Complete Course by Joshua J. You can get that on Amazon. I'm sure it's 20 bucks or under. It even comes with a DVD which okay. even now is starting to become outdated, but it comes with a DVD. Mm-hmm. So you see him perform tricks, and these are, like, really good tricks. So, like, uh, I do some of those tricks from this beginner's book. I've done them in, like, professional shows for corporations. Um, but you get, like, a wide variety. He'll teach you some things you can do casually, you know, with props you'd find at the dinner table, but he'll also teach you a card trick and a coin trick uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's also a few websites I would recommend. Uh, if you go to uh, vanishinginkmagic.com, they have uh, lots of products for sale, but they also have some free resources if you're just getting into magic. Uh, and the same is for penguinmagic.com. They have you know, free downloads that will teach you 10 tricks or something to get you started for free. Then you can dive deeper you know, once you start to learn what tastes and what interests you. Now, as far as your, uh, the books and the DVDs that you have released or the videos, uh, do you have anything for beginners? Or, or is it more like you have to be already in some sort of you know, experience in the magic in order to be able to perform your tricks? Yeah, I would say mine is not targeted towards beginners. It's also not super advanced sleight of hand. I tend to like to construct my magic in a way where I use psychological principles and subtleties. 
uh, to where they're not self-working. There's still some sleight of hand involved, but it's not typical, uh, like very difficult sleight of hand that you might expect. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, check them out if you're interested. You can watch demo videos and I think even catch a few free downloads that I have on offer. Uh, but probably start somewhere else if you're brand new to Magic. Uh, and the other thing is just email me. My email is just uh, Caleb, uh, C-A-L-E-B, Caleb at CalebWiles.com. And you can just email me and just say, hey, you know, is this a good book for me? What would you recommend? I'm happy to just talk Magic with people. Now, if you put the code SOLOBG over there, you will get 10%. No, I'm just kidding. No, Caleb is not an official sponsor yet, but soon to be. Uh, so anyway, we're going to keep talking about Magic. But before we do that... Because there's another subject, and you recently were in a very famous show, probably mo one of the most famous shows around the world, uh, magic-wise, right? You were there, and you brought the hobby to the whole universe combined with magic. And actually, there's a, over there a topic on, on BGG that, that people can look on it, uh, or they can go to YouTube. But before we jump into that, let's go into your number four. Because I hope, Caleb, I hope now it is going to start to be more like into solo games. I don't know because I don't know your list. And that's the reality, my friends. I don't know his list. I can just read one title, but I don't know if that's going to be honorable mention or not, which is kind of like a classic that we all have to own. But um, I hope the list will tend more to solo or cooperative games just because we're going to keep talking about that. But, hey, if you bring just competitive, I'm fine with that as well. Uh, let's go into your number four, Caleb. Uh, the, the order is tough here, but I think probably number four would be uh, Scythe. If you've ever heard of a, a little game called Scythe, it's a, a lesser-known title in our industry. I know. Scythe, I mean, I just had the, had the pleasure to interview Jamie Stegmaier. You can hear it. I think it was episode 93, uh, and I was telling him, actually, how much I love Scythe. I, I even dare to say that you probably will agree with me before you tell us about the game, that Scythe at least for me, is the best game from Steg, uh, from Stegmaier Games totally. I mean, then you will have the Viticultures, you will have Wingspan, well, but it's not designed by Jamie. I recently I reviewed Red Rising in the same episode uh, where I recorded with, with Jamie. Then you have uh, Tapestry, which we didn't enjoy it as much. Uh, but anyway, I think Side is probably on the cusp. And for example, Side, that one will be definitely, if I do a top 10, which is not enough, and I know it's not fair because I'm making you make a list, but I'm not making the list. Uh, but if I do a top 10 of best games ever, side will definitely be there as for solo, as for competitive. It's, it's just great. But tell us about side, just in case if any of you amazing listeners haven't played side. Yeah, side is a great game that has so many little interesting elements. It does play solo. I know a lot of people in the solo community think highly of it. I've played it solo a couple of times. And it's one of those games where I definitely enjoyed it, but I always would prefer to play it with other players. Uh, there's just so much more tension, and I just really enjoy uh, the way it looks on the table. And it's right, right when people see it, they see the player boards, they see all the components on the table, and it's instantly attractive to them um, if they're not intimidated by it. But what's great about it is it's not actually that intimidating. Uh, when I first got it, I, um, I was a little bit intimidated myself, and I hadn't really played a lot of what I thought were like really difficult games. And then once I learned it, um, there's so many little design decisions that Jamie uh, put into that game that make it easy to retain the knowledge uh, of how to play sides. So many games you have in your collection, you play them, you love them, you don't play them for eight months, and you have to read the whole rule book the next time you start. And side is not that way. Even though there's a lot of rules inside, it's just the way he designed it. It makes it very easy to retain the information. Um, and But yeah, it's sort of like you've got your figures on the map and you have your mechs that can come out and you've got 
uh, sort of a story element. So there's like a narrative element. Um, what's really cool about that as well is the cards. They don't have a lot of text on them. It's mostly the picture. So you look at the image and uh, the art is great and it sort of tells a story and it gives you a choice uh, one way versus the other way. Um, and th another thing I like about Psy that uh, has to do with uh, the, not expansion, but the uh, sister game, uh, My Little Scythe, which... <laughs> I sold that game, by the way, but anyway. <laughs> so I, I just like uh, th the story of that. So somebody created a, a, their own variation of Scythe that was better uh, suited for their family weight style of game, uh, and the guy worked on it with his daughter. Jamie Stegmeier found out about it, and it ended up coming uh, to production, and it's a great little game. Uh, good for families. I've also played it with adults. <laughs> so uh, if it's somebody new to gaming, it's a little less intimidating. But uh, both games are great. But Scythe, the original Scythe, is just awesome. And you know what? About my little Scythe, I think I mentioned it before, like very early in the show when I did the episode of Scythe. Um, my little Scythe will be a game that in my situation, my wife and I, we don't have kids. So probably if I had it, you know, an eight-year-old kid, a uh, 10-year-old kid, that would be a great game because... Once again, the theme is changing instead of battle. I mean, you throw pies at each other, I believe so, and you share friend. You go into a track instead of being popularities like the friendship track and so on and so forth. But talking about the real game, Scythe, um, it's a great game. And for solo mode, the trick part is that you can play it with the automa deck that it's included, but it has some mechanics that are kind of hard to grasp, at least for me. I don't know. I don't know if it was the same with you, Caleb. But when the AI is performing their movements, it has a thing called teletransportation or transportation, which is kind of hard to grasp. But I recently downloaded the app for the uh, Auto Automa. I don't remember what it's called, the app, but you can look it on, on Sidekick. Sidekick, it's called. You can look it on the App Store or, or Google Store or Android Store, whatever you use. Um, anyway, you download that app, and then it has the augmented reality option for two extra American dollars, at least here in the U.S., and also, you can add more things like a dollar a piece or two dollars a piece. But anyway, once you buy the basic, which is the augmented reality, the movement guided, and I remember which other one, basically, the app will tell you once you have, especially the augmented reality, you will take like a picture with your phone on the board, and the app will detect where you are, where the enemy is, and you just tell the app that is the enemy turn, and it will literally move, do the movement for you. I mean, physically, you had to move it, of course. Uh, we're not there with technology, but. Uh, at least on the camera, I, you know, it will show you where the movement goes, and that makes it way easier. I love Side. It's one of those games that I put my music on the background, kind of like a, I know and believe. I'm sorry if I said something wrong, but like kind of like with Soviet Union kind of music, like back from those uh, times of Cold War and stuff. Which once again, sorry if I offend somebody. It's not my intention at all. But I put that kind of music behind, you know, some epic music, kind of like an opera epic-ish music. And I just let myself go, man. And it's a game that you know, Caleb, when I play, when we play it, I'm very aggressive with the game. And it's a game that you can take different mechanics because I feel like even if, even if it doesn't have a choose-your-own-adventure type of mechanic, it kind of does in a very light level where, where you're talking about the art and you basically have to choose, okay, do I kill the cows and get to food or do I save the cows and, and get to, I don't know, I'm making up, making up things, uh, iron and then or you sell the cows and get two dollars and one popularity or whatever so that kind of mechanic even if it's not going into a choose your own adventure because that will be more narrative and more uh changing on the path of the game um it still like gives you those options which i think is very cool i really like the combat mechanics where you're limited i think to two cards only if i don't remember incorrectly 
Uh, and you have this dial of power that you can add power from your strength track as well. So you have to be careful on what strength you are, which that's open information. If somebody see you, that you have lower strength that can take the opportunity to go and attack you and steal your resources. It has the factory mechanical that when you go to the middle of the board, you will get these factory cards that basically will expand your actual selection board of where you can go. It has this cool mechanic as well of building, kind of like besides action programming, building these uh I guess, builds or these monuments. In that way, you can do different things, but also, in my mind, kind of creates the mechanic of an uh, uh, engine builder, some sort of action selection or program action, whatever you want to call it, plus the engine builder, plus that very light choose-your-own-adventure, plus that mechanic of combat, so plus the popularity tracks and all this stuff. So I think it's a great game, which, once again, it comes basic because at the end, it's whoever has more coins wins. Basically, that's it. Because the popularity track will give you cones. Uh, and also, it's kind of like a racing game of who places their starts first on the track, either by uh, completing quests, either by fighting twice, either by, you know, different things that you can do, building all, all the monuments and putting all the workers out there. So it has that racing uh, aspect as well. One thing that I have found in the game is that it's weird because I don't remember, unless you told me otherwise, it doesn't have any catch-up mechanic. Or can you think about one catch a mechanic with that game i think one thing i like about it is there's so many paths to victory so it's not always clear who's winning like i know I've, we were playing through the rise of finris campaign yeah. and i think two games at least in that we haven't even finished the campaign yet but two games uh the game end was triggered and i was surprised that i won like i was like oh i don't think i'm quite there i think he's winning a little bit more because he's got this and then it just sort of all works out you know uh, at the end so i i think I guess there's not a catch-up mechanic in, the, in that way, but you're all tra- traveling different paths, so it's not always clear exactly you know, who's winning. Yeah, that's a good point because um, in reality, I feel like all the times we play, we don't know who's winning until the end, once we do all the math. Uh, Caleb, let's take the DeLorean and let's go back in time like you like to do it on games as well and you like to take turns again uh, because Caleb loves to do that. Like, just, okay, I'm going to change my mind of where I went and whatever, and I hate it, and he knows that, but I still love Caleb. It doesn't matter. Um, so let's take the DeLorean. And please tell us, what were you doing, what, we, what year it was, what were you wearing, oh, no. what you had for dinner that night, and where were you living in an apartment or house, and how did you discover the fantastic universe of board games? I mean, how did you fall into board games? And not only that, how did you end up playing solo board games? So tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, I had a job before the current job I'm in where the company was sort of on the downswing. So every time uh, another year would pass and it would be time for a bonus, they wouldn't have much time for they wouldn't have enough money to give a bonus. Oh my god. Okay. But the good news was uh, they would it was a nice paying job and they would say, "Well, we'll give you an extra week's vacation." So I think when I left there I was having like 8 or 9 weeks some crazy number of vacation. Oh, I want to work there. <laughs> yes, it was nice although you're always wondering when the doors are going <laughs> to shut down. Um, but yeah, so I basically because of that I just took every time there was any local convention, I just went to it. So if it was a little comic convention, I would take the day off and go to it. And I went to one uh, such convention, and while I was there, someone said, oh, you, you like conventions, you should go to Gen Con. And I didn't know what that was. They explained the concept. They said it was games. I was sort of picturing more video games, not board games. Uh, so when I went home and sort of looked into it, I saw how big of an event it was, and it looked like a lot of fun. So the next time that came around, I showed up by myself uh, at Gen Con, mm-hmm. super overwhelmed. I just sat down at the first table I saw available, and played Cash and Guns, 
Cash and Guns. I just played that game actually last Friday. I, I, it's a fun game. It's a very fun game. It's very uh, good at the, the table. If, if people don't know it, you basically have a foam gun, mm -hmm. and you're reenacting those like uh, heist movies where at the end of the heist, everybody's got the loot on the table, and you've got to split the loot. And there's always that scene where like everybody's pointing a gun at somebody else. Yeah. Uh, so that's the game mechanic. So uh, I thought, wow, this is really fun. Uh, so I went to the next table and I played another, you know, game. I think it was Pixel Glory was the next. Game. Oh, Pixel Glory! You now you're bringing memories because that was the first episode of Solo VG podcast, and it lasted only 11 minutes. But keep going. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Uh, so then, yeah, I just like kind of got in uh, from there. I think I remember picking a boss monster that first time and oh, yeah. Forbidden Island and. Uh, yeah, so I, at that time, I didn't know who in my family or friends uh, circle would want to play board games. So I had heard of a game called Mice and Mystics. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so I heard, like, oh, you can play this one solo. And it sort of, like, boggled my mind. Like, wait a minute. There's a game you can play by yourself. What? Yeah, so that one was like, okay, this is pretty good. So uh, for my birthday uh, that year, it was my 30th birthday, and uh, some people, you know, we had a party. My wife actually rented out uh, a board game store for us to uh, have the party, and then people gave me money and things like that for gifts. And I bought Mice and Mystics. And then after that, it was all... All downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> so Mice and Mystic was your first uh, solo game, right? I think Mice and Mystics may have actually maybe been my second one because I think I got Pathfinder Adventure Card Game just prior to my birthday, but they both came around the same time. Maybe I got Pathfinder for Christmas or something like that. Uh, so yeah, I just really love both those games and the idea that you would like level up and like continue things from one, you know, just the idea of a narrative where you'd play a campaign and like just the whole thing like blew my mind. Uh, Now, which which year was this? Do you remember? Um, I don't know the exact year. I think it was the year that Dead of Winter came out. That was because I, I remember seeing that at Gen Con and thinking it was amazing. And then it said like 90 minutes on the side of the box. And I thought, there's no way I could play a board game for 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and and now we have with I mean we just play. Um, What is it called? Kemet. And it was about four hours. Fantastic, too. Yes, yes. So, yeah, that a lot of these things were... I remember also, like, splurging for Boss Monster, which is, like, 30 bucks and <laughs> thinking... Yeah, innocent. <laughs> yes, innocent times. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, you know, fun story, and I'm going to tell it really quick. I have shared it before. Uh, I met Caleb on 2016. So, this Gen Con happened, obviously, before. So, it should be probably 14 or probably even before that. Um, but anyway... I go to Caleb's house. Uh, uh, you know, my wife used to work with uh, uh, his wife, and we go to Caleb's house, and I see all this uh, living room full of games, and I'm like, what the heck? So um, then, uh, you know, as, as the night keeps going, my first modern board game, besides X-Wing, because I, I started playing X-Wing uh, with my good friend Jared in Texas, um, we play uh, Ticket to Ride. That was our first board game together. And I remember having a blast. And We did, no, Dead of Winter came later. Yeah. That was the first night when we played Ticket to Ride. And I remember that night you told me about solo board gaming, Caleb. You, you, you put that seed over there. And I was like, what do you mean by solo board game? What is this nerd meaning by solo board gaming? Like, are you playing Monopoly and just going around the table throwing the dice? And I still, I throw you to jail and then I escape myself and all this stuff. Anyway, a lot of ideas came to cross my mind. Uh, but anyway, he led me Pine Finder, the adventure card game. I took it back to my small apartment when, uh, because that was when my, my wife and I just moved to Indianapolis. Uh, and I remember being on the small table that we had from Costco, which it was a very, very small table. And um, with the cat and the dogs and everybody surrounding me, 
And I lay out and set up the game. I remember watching a Ricky Royal video, which he gave you like a college class on what is a role player game and which parts that you have to take and then to, for you to get in the universe, in the universe of a Pathfinder. And I played and it blew my mind, Caleb. And until this day, I really want to thank you now live here in the podcast because what happened that time, it was that that opened the bottle for everything else. That opened the door and the window for everything else to the fact that we are here sitting in a board game table surrounded by games with a solo BG podcast neoprene mat and recording a podcast about solo board games. So that was back in 2016. So, man, you uh, you really opened that door for me. But do you remember that time? I still remember oh, that. Yeah. I still remember that Ticket to Ride night. I do remember. I remember thinking, like, I got to ease him in. So we'll start with Ticket to Ride. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Yeah, actually, the 15th anniversary is coming up, I think, next week. Are you going to buy it? I will not be buying it. I still like the game, but I, I like to play it on the app, and I can play a whole game in, like, five or ten minutes that's one thing about you that you're going to digital man i mean i kind of i need to do something to take you out of the digital version of games but i think i'm gonna get it just because i don't own any tickets to ride other than the small box at new york whatever and i feel like i any any board gamer has to have certain games in their collection like you have certain games that if you're a solo board gamer you need to own and there are certain games that if you're a board gamer in general you need to own and i feel like ticket to ride is one of those uh, and what better opportunity than the 15th anniversary from Europe, the Europe version, I'm sorry, and it com- comes with a cool train, and they even told you, Caleb, which not, that was my new, now is my new fetish, sleeving all the cards. Yeah. They even tell you, it fits all the sleeve cards, so you don't have to take the tray away or anything. So that's great. So that's the story about how you start in games. That's the story of how I started in games. Let's keep going with your list. Tell me your number three. Oh, this is a tough one. This could be number one under certain circumstances. So here I'm sort of messing with, you know, what am I optimizing for? Uh, but uh, I'll go ahead and say that Mage Knight uh, is my number three. The only reason it's not number one, honestly, is just because it's such uh, an endeavor to get it to the table and it takes a long time to play. So I normally play it over a few days. So I don't play it as often as I do uh, my other games. But that was the first game that I like felt like I was going to take a college class to learn. I remember watching videos about it and watching the whole Ricky Royal playthrough and then reading the rule book and rereading the rule book. And I remember taking notes over the rules I was forgetting. Now when I come to it, it doesn't actually seem as complex as it did uh, when I first started. But it's so thematic. It feels like like a Skyrim, the board game. Like you're just going, you know, conquering things. You can be good or you can be bad. You can be infamous. You can, you know, try to, you know, rescue people. Just every, every kind of thing. Uh, you know, freedom-wise that you would expect from a fantasy game. Uh, and my favorite part about it is the puzzle. I, I would never be able to play this game multiplayer because I've, you know, watched the clock sometimes and I'll play one round, like one turn, and I'll think, wow, n- you know, 19 minutes went by because <laughs> I was just thinking through, like, oh, the math on this, and if I do this, and there's, you know, sometimes the puzzle there is really good. So uh, just that, that really strong puzzle mixed with the really immersive uh, theme uh, just makes it a really fun game. You know, and and that's interesting because I remember you actually showed me Match Night as well for the first time. And you had all the neoprene mats for everything. And, and uh, then again, I, I, I enjoyed it that time, I remember. But we played for four hours and we only did like two rounds. You remember like... Yeah, we definitely. I was also teaching it to you the first time, and you were pretty new-ish into board games. Yeah. Uh, so it was sort of like the blind leading the blind a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then you would like play out your turn, and I would say, "Now, what if you would have went this way?" And you could just to see the difference, because when you first start it, you might think, "Oh yeah, I'll play this card, play this card." You've got five cards in your hand. You might think it's just a yeah. normal card game, 
And then when you could actually see like all the ways you could use cards and like power up your abilities, uh, I think it was sort of a revelation. And th- the best part about the game is that when you f- when I first played the game, I thought there is no way anybody can win. In fact, I went looking on YouTube to find a playthrough where somebody would win because I couldn't imagine that it was even possible to win. And now when I play it, I would say I win like 50% of the time or somewhere around that because I've now learned like, wow, maybe I can take some wounds and maybe I can't, like you start to see the edges of it. You're not quite as constrained as you might think when you first play it. And then by the end, you can end up with these crazy abilities where you're killing like multiple monsters all in one turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes you feel really powerful by the end. Yeah, I was going to say that I was talking about Mage Knight actually two episodes ago with my good friend Jason Perez from Shelf Stories. And um, he's one of his favorite games as well, Mage Knight. And I feel like once again, going to the same thing that I mentioned before, if you're a solo gamer, I feel like it has to be in your collection. It has. I feel like you have to own it. I actually didn't own any of the versions until they came out with the WizKids uh, Big Box Ultimate Edition, which all the expansion, which, of course, I haven't played the expansions. I mean, come on, who am I kidding? But, I mean, you have everything there. Now, Mage Knight, if you are like me and you just want to, uh, like, the, like the Joker and Batman says, like, you just want to watch the world burn... You're going to play, like, super fast and play one card to the other one and whatever and, like, have trying to survive, trying to kill some bad guys over there and trying to accomplish the mission. But if you're like Caleb, if you're like Caleb that you really think uh, things through uh, and you actually care of your turns and you actually want to play almost the perfect game with the perfect combos and make sure that this card works good with this one, then it can tend to be a longer game. But it's a fantastic game, no matter what. And it's crazy to think, and I know we have laughed about this, Caleb, when we talk about Vlada Chevario, uh, you have Mage Knight, and then you have Dungeon Pets, which is still complex. You have it. I, I, we played the game uh, like two years or probably more. I feel like we need to bring that game back to the table. Um, but then you have code names. Right. And, and, and you have Disney code names, and you have Harry Potter code names, and you have Simpson code name. And you're like, wait a minute. Is this the same guy from Imaginet? So that really gives you, I guess I don't know if this is the right word, but the ambiguity of this fantastic designer, right? Yeah, yeah, multi-talented. I mean, but anyway. Uh, so now we took the DeLorean back to 2014. Let's turn it on and let's fly to 2019. That was a special year. It was it 2020? No, it wasn't in 2020. It was 2020. It was 2020. You see, not only because 2020 was unique because of uh, the world situation that we are still facing to all this time, but only because before it hit it very strongly in U.S., you collide the two universes, the two worlds of board games and magic. Uh, you were in Las Vegas in one of the most famous, or I dare to say probably the most famous uh, magic reality TV contest show. I don't know. You're going to describe it better than me. Uh, and I'd say, I don't want to spoil it more, but you did something unique that I feel like everybody in the hobby should watch it at least and, and know about it. So tell us more about that, that situation where you make both worlds to collide, the magic and the board game. Yeah, so I think it was 2016 uh, was my first major television appearance. I was on a show called Penn & Teller, Fool us, which Penn and Teller famous magicians from you know they're they're in episodes of The Simpsons and you know Big Bang Theory and all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, so very famous, and they have a television show called Fool Us, where uh, basically the premise is that you go onto the show, a magician performs one trick, and then Penn and Teller try to guess how it's done. Uh, and if you if they guess wrong, then you quote unquote win. 
if they guess right, then, you know, you go home with, you know, congratulations and all that kind of thing. Uh, but really, the, that's the premise to get it on television to make people watch. But their goal in reality is just to feature really strong magic, especially from performers who are not, you know, David Blaine and David Copperfield and Lance Burton, sort of like uh, the magicians who are lesser known. So uh, I got the chance to be on the show in 2016. Uh, and then uh, a couple years later, I had the idea uh, of a new trick that I wanted to pitch for the show. Uh, sort of combining my love of board games and my love of uh, magic. And also, I thought it would make a really fun premise, uh, even if I didn't have a, a trick to go with it. Just the premise I thought was really fun. Uh, so the idea is basically I went on the show and I had Penn and Teller uh, fool us the home edition, home game. So I had a board game company print up a box that looked you know legitimate, had a friend design it. Uh, and then I start pulling out props like you'd expect uh, to see on the actual show. So I had little dollhouse furniture chairs, and I had 3D printed a set uh, and a little trophy from Foolas, and I had basically playing card jokers. But instead of jokers, they were designed to look like Penn and Teller. Uh, and then I had Allison Hannigan, who's the host of the show, sort of perform a trick and quote-unquote play this game. Which, if you don't know who she is, she came more famous for American Pie because she was the one that quoted time like one time in the bad camp or whatever, yes. like with the flute. Uh, and also in one of my favorite shows ever, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, yeah, and Buffy and a lot of other... Well, we don't care about Buffy, but that's okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I basically designed the trick for her to perform, sort of. So basically, Penn and Teller name a card, and then uh, she places the two jokers, which are actually you know cards with Penn and Teller's faces on them, and then those cards uh, are used to find the, you know the card that they just named. Uh, but the trick, while I think is very impressive and I like the trick and I'm happy with it, I think the premise is what was really cool. And the fact that I got to, you know, do something with board games and sort of show my love um, of board games. And the, the coolest part was I got a friend request from uh, Tom Vassell because <laughs> Tom <laughs> saw the video. So I thought, oh, my God, that, forget about Allison Hannigan. This is Tom Vassell we're talking about here. He's the celebrity. I'm going to I'm going to make a confession here. Well, let me say let me before we, before I keep talking about Tom Basel now, now that you uh, talk about it. Um you can find this actually this video that Caleb is mentioning on YouTube. How how can people look for it? Like tell us. Yeah, I think if you just type my name Caleb Wiles fool us, uh, you'll find both appearances, but uh, the second one was 2020, so it's season 7. So if you want to uh, see in video the guy that is talking here with me, check it out please on YouTube. You will be surprised. I honestly say this with 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 uh, completely honestly and true. I I do enjoy till this day. I don't know if I'm at some point I'm gonna get tired, Caleb. I mean, it might happen, but until uh, this day, every time, unless it's like late on the night, but every time that you're like, oh, I have a new trick, let me show it to you. I still get like you know excited about it, but I, like I say, I mean, I mean way that I'm looking, I'm always looking at your at your pockets and see what you have there or stuff, but it still it still hasn't hasn't drowned me. So that's that's good. Now. Um, talking about Tom Vassell, let me make a confession. It was GenCon. Let's take the DeLorean again. It was GenCon 2017 because 16. No, 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 no. 16, I moved to Indianapolis. Actually, fun fact: when I came for my job interview, it was on GenCon times, and I, I remember seeing a bunch of nerds with cosplays on that time. And uh, and I have no idea until I went south 2017. I just went on Sunday with my wife, and I was like, what? Like that also changed my mind. Of course, 18, I was there. Now, in 18, I was thinking about doing some content. Once again, I started the podcast a little bit after that, and I, I had a, a inter. I exchanged emails with Ronnie Smith, uh, and he actually, you know, gave me kind of like the push. But anyway, I remember we were at the Gen Con Caleb, 
and we went through the booth of the Dice Tower, which, by the way, I, still when you hear this episode live, pro- probably by this time, a big spoiler alert for the, for the podcast will be already on air, but I cannot say anything else. But anyway, I, I give you a hint right away. But uh, we we were at the booth of the Dice Tower, and C. Garcia was there. Uh, was Sam Healy before he departed from the Sam, from the uh, Dice Tower, and it was Tom Vassell there. And I remember you told me like, oh, you know, these guys are the YouTubers and whatever. And I'm like, I have no idea who they are. I mean, at that point, I didn't have any idea. And and uh, he's laughing because he knows what I'm gonna say. So I wish you, my friends, could be there with us because. I told Kelly, well, go and do a magic trick for them. I mean, you're a magician. That's cool. I mean, you know, not everybody is a magician. A bunch of people can be doctors, lawyers, whatever. I mean, they don't care. But a magician, not everybody. It's like living with David Copperfield. But um, we were there by the booth, Caleb, and you went. You were all red because Caleb, of course, is super white. Uh, <laughs> he went, he become all, all, I'm more brown, so I can hide it a little bit more. But anyway, he turned like super red and so nervous. Like almost like if, I don't, I don't, I don't even think that on his wedding day, he was like that nervous, but he was so nervous. He approached to Tom Vassell. I grabbed my cell phone. I don't know if you still have that video or not, which so. we, we should, we should play the audio sometime. But, um, anyway, Caleb goes there and he starts to do the trick and you did the trick. And I think Tom Vassell liked it. But you were so nervous, Caleb. I don't know if that was the, the, the time that you have been even more, more nervous than Fulas. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I think it's just the fact, like, I, again, I was on Fulas. I wasn't nervous. I've been doing magic, you know, again, at corporate events and, you know, a thousand people in the crowd and I'm on stage and the spotlight's on me and I'm totally at home. I think it was just the fact that I watched Tom every single, you know, day on my <laughs> go to bed, watch a little Tom Vassell and, you know, see what Zeke thinks about this game. So they're just such a part of my, like, entertainment diet. Yeah. And then it's also sort of a weird situation uh, socially, right? Like, if Tom was at my show, then it wouldn't have made me nervous. It was the fact that I was, like, interrupting his day and, like, hey, are you going to like this? Is this okay? Uh, it's Gen Con. Other people are around. Am I, you know, trying to be mindful of his time? So just, like, all of that. Yeah, I think that was my most uh, nervous performance ever. Uh, yeah, I've met magic celebrities and everything else and had no problem. <laughs> I hope you still have the video because we should share it at some point and, and at least the audio. I wish we could have it to play the audio right now, but we don't. Now, Caleb, let's go into your number. I think we're not going to number two. We're going to go to number two. We're getting close to that number one. I'm very curious. to. I, I honestly, I cannot read. I don't want to read. Take the phone away from me. I don't want to see it. Uh, but I'm also going to ask you to the worst board solo board gaming experience you know because we are on solo vg podcast or cooperative experience i hope you don't mention the game that i love because if you do i'm going to stand up and flip the table and that's it mention any other game except that one because to be fair it wasn't that bad it was bad reading the rule book i give you that but it's a fantastic game it's a great game and it's a great theme and it's a great components and all stuff and the publisher is known by doing mistakes very often with rule books but anyway let's go into your number two my number two, so uh, this is, again, a tough one. Um, it might have a little bit of Cult of the New going on, but uh, number two is going to be Marvel Champions. Okay, yeah, I, I know you, you really love the game, and not only you, a lot of good friends love the game. Um, I honestly don't, don't love it just because of the theme, because I'm not a Marvel guy, but I think if it was DC, I would be like, you know, blowing my mind every night with that game. But anyway, tell us about Marvel Champions. Yeah, I, I love the theme, so, like, I remember... I don't remember what the conversation who it was. It was with you or our friend Jonathan. But somebody said, like, if you could engineer a game, like, what would it be? And I remember saying, like, oh, I'd probably make it something like 
you know, uh, expandable, something that's like easy to get to the table, probably Marvel. Uh, and then I think it was the next year at Gen Con, they just sort of randomly announced this Marvel Champions game. And it was like, wow, it was like literally the most like engineered game exactly for what I wanted at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's my first LCG I've really gotten into. So I own all the content for it. Uh, I haven't played all the content to it for it. That's the only negative is that it comes out faster than I can uh, keep playing it, given all the new games that we mm-hmm. generally play. Uh, but I, I like it solo. I like it cooperative. Um, you get to be uh, your favorite Marvel superheroes, and every deck feels completely different, uh, at least so far. So they, they've just done a really good job with it. It's also very easy to get to the table, and also another one of those games that it plays so smoothly. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm rarely looking up any, like, problems with this card interacting with this card in a way that makes me go to bgg like it's so smooth and uh once you get you know a few decks of cards set up you're just off to the races so uh marvel champions is uh, an excellent game now marvel champions has the predecessors of arkham horror which is still live which i think it's a great game i don't bring it as often to the table as i wish but arkham horror the card game it's so um so immersed in vast already and so thematic that uh, which is a good thing of course that you really have to go to sometimes, I guess, to some forums of BGG just because there's more keywords every time and you have more mythos packages and you have more expansions and so on and so forth. Versus, you're right, I feel like Marvel is more straightforward. And before of those, of course, there was Fantasy Flight or there's Fantasy Flight and you had Lord of the Rings, the living card game, which is a great game. It's, I, I still have the base game of that one. Um, and you have, of course, other games from there like um, what is called The Lane of the Five Rings. I think it's Fantasy Flight as well, living card game. Uh, Netrunner, I think it was one of the first ones as well, uh, Living Card Games. But um, I have to say, I have to be completely honest and neutral. I feel like, um, like I mentioned, um, Marvel Champions if it, it, it's just a theme for me. But other than that, it's a very solid, well game. You're right. I mean, I can bring it to a table right now. We can play it without reading anything. We just choose our heroes and let's knock, your, knock ourselves out. Uh, me, personally, I love to play with... Um, I play, ironically, with Captain America, with Spider-Man. Uh, I have played also with Black Panther, and that's it. I have a lot of the content as well that I haven't played. For example, I got just the Guardians of the Galaxy one. Haven't even opened it. The the Hydra campaign, I remember what's it called, the Rise of Hydra, whatever. I play one scenario, and I was like, okay, I'm going to leave it set up for comp- completing the campaign. I haven't finished it. But once again, that's one thing of the game that I feel like in my case, the theme is what really, it what, make, it what, it what makes it less appealing. But I know I'm wrong, and I know... You know, uh, the world is getting consumed by Disney and Marvel, and I should let myself consume as well by them. But it's just hard. It's just hard, Kelly. Probably when I go to Disney this fall, I will change my mind. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're you're missing the boat on the Marvel stuff. I know people think they're like oversaturated or whatever, but there's never been a greater like just a culmination of any series I think than what Marvel did with Endgame and Infinity War. Uh, and just that whole like 20 years or whatever it is of movies is just astounding, even from like, a logistical standpoint, forgetting about the quality of the content, just all of the actors, all the timelines, all the self-reference uh, material that you find in there, the way that they're all connected and tied together is just uh, astounding. And you know what's the best part for Disney and for the merchandise and marketing and all that stuff? Is that not even finished? Because now with Disney+, Plus, more shows are going to keep, keep coming on, and they might as well can reinvent the whole story change something in the middle and here you are everybody's live again and let's keep going for another 10 years right for sure yeah i love all of the content you already watched lucky i do yeah but do you like it i like it yeah not as good as the movies i think the television shows wanda was an excellent 
uh, series. The other ones, I think, have been good so far, but not as good as the best of the movies. But uh, the worst Marvel movie is still better than most movies, I think, that I see. So, Yeah, and but it's because you haven't seen uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's... That's, that's the that's the bomb that I dare to say and if somebody thinks otherwise please tell me and send me an email at gmail.com. is the best movie based on comic books ever like being true to the comic book Zack Snyder's Justice League four hour long and feels like 30 minutes uh, I know one day I'm gonna make and I'm gonna force Caleb to watch it I know we're going to watch it, and I know he's going to be on his seat, and I'm going to make him some popcorns and nachos and everything, and that way he can be entertained. And when the movie is done, he will be like, Derek, you know what? I'm going to throw everything that I own from Marvel merchandise. I'm a Batman guy now. You know, can I, can I wear one of your shirts just to drive back home? Because I don't want to wear this Marvel shirt anymore because it, it, it itches, you know, because this movie is so great. So I'm gonna, I'm, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Caleb, before we jump into your number one, tell me one of the worst solo or cooperative gaming experience ever don't you dare to mention my game and i'm talking about teenage mutant ninja turtles because we have a whole thing if you listen to the top five of last game of uh, 2020 he uh mentioned he kelly mentioned that he didn't like it at all uh but once again the rule book is awful and i talked to pete Walsh, the designer of the game and he's great he's a great guy but the rule book is half it's awful i get it but the game is fantastic it's very thematic. It's ninjas fighting, Ninja Turtles, of course, eating pizza and fighting. And, and, and if you follow the comics from IDW, it's a great, great, great addition to that. So don't mention that game. Yeah, I'm going to make you love it just like I'm going to make you love Saxonary Justice League. But tell me the worst experience solo or cooperative game. This is a tough one because only a few really negative experiences uh, stick out. And most of them weren't even necessarily the game. Like, had we played the game on game night? With everybody knowing the rules, it would have been more forgettable rather than like a painful experience. So okay. the game you're talking about with the Ninja Turtles, that was like we rented a house. We're going to play games all weekend. We're like trying to cram in as many as we can. And we get to this game and it's like we didn't know the rules. We're trying to read the rule book. The rule book is atrocious. Whether you like the game or not, it's atrocious. <laughs> uh, so we're playing it. It was just like a very long experience and not not a positive one. Another one, uh, I don't think it was cooperative, although I don't remember it was so so bad, was Lucidity. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I like that one. I mean, I, don't laugh. I mean, I actually enjoyed that one. And Jonathan bought it on Gen Con. You know, we usually hang out, the three of us in Gen Con, Jonathan, Caleb, and I. Uh, and um, Jonathan bought it, but if he didn't bought it, I would have bought it. I never ended up buying the game because I didn't love it, but I think it was okay. I think you were too hard on the game. Why you didn't like that game? Well, I was. I actually watched a lot of videos after it, thinking like I had to have missed something because I, I couldn't understand any decisions I was making. It seemed like yeah. it was almost like a, an elaborate game of war. And maybe there is more to it, but it did not come through that night. It was sort of like move this here, move that there on a on a, p a path that didn't seem to have any tree branches. It was like favorite mechanic, Caleb, ever. Ah, uh, favorite mechanic. Ah, oh, man. I, I like the mechanic where you pay for cards with cards, like multi-use card situation. So Marvel Champions has that. Race for the Galaxy has that. Uh, I, I really like that idea. Wingspan has a little, little bit of that. So Most hated mechanic. Ooh, that's a tough one. I guess probably, oh, take that. That's definitely it. You don't like take that, right? I do not like take that, especially in three-player battle games where... You know, you and I fight, so the other player just automatically wins. I, I hate take that where the target of your take that has to be arbitrary. Like that it makes I, I don't, I'm on a two player rule or a two player game where 
obviously it makes sense for me to hit you and you to hit me. But if you have three or more players, I, I hate to be the first person to target someone because all that means is they're going to target you and you're better off sort of turtling. Uh, I feel like you're describing me on games. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're aggressive. I, I'm, I'm fine with aggressive, but I, uh, yeah, that's probably my least favorite. Okay. Um, what do you think about Pandemic? Because I, I want to, before we jump into number one, we had experience with Pandemic. And I have mentioned in the past that it's uh, my deception of solo and cooperative board games ever. Because when we played actually on this table, and I was over there in that chair, uh, it was Jonathan and it was you, I had a terrible experience. Because and I have said on the podcast before, and I, and I mean, I mean, we we are uh, you know very good friends and and almost like family killer. But you know that at that time I felt like I was out of the game, and and you know I felt like every every time that it was my turn, it was either you or Jonathan making decisions. And I was like, okay. At, the, at one point, I was like, oh, tell me what to do. I don't even remember finishing the game. I don't think we finished it, and I actually ended up giving the game away to Jonathan. Um, but do you think it's the game, or do you think it was the the the, the fact that that game? has more tendency to go to an alpha player. Because then we're going to go into another subject. I know I'm throwing a bunch of questions. But this, they just told me, somebody, a good friend, Jason Perez, just told me, there's no such thing as an alpha player. There's, an, I mean, no, no, let me rephrase. There's no such thing as a game having the risk of an alpha player. Is the players that they don't know how to play the game and make it, makes it, make it comfortable for the other players. Yeah, so I think when people talk about an alpha player, there's two sides to it, right? There's the alpha player where one person takes over, or you could even say two people take over and the third person feels left out because they're exerting their will onto the table. So there might be two pathways, right? And the, the alpha player wants to really do one pathway, so he's forcing people socially and pressuring them into taking that path when the other path is also legitimate. Yeah. I think what happened with that, saying of pandemic was that was your first game of pandemic yeah and you you can admit there's many times in a game like i forget what it was but recently where we were playing a, a cooperative game and you can do the math and we're like okay on the final turn as long as derek moves to this location we just win the game and you have a different idea when you play games sometimes <laughs> where you want to make it you know more fun or tell a story so like that was a game where you could either win for sure by taking this action or you could take another action where the math said you had a 50-50 chance, so you were going to roll the dice. So basically, you could make the whole table win for sure, <laughs> or you could make it 50-50 and you want to tell a story of we lost or we came through. Let's make it epic. Yes. So to me, that's the other side of the alpha player. So that was your first game of Pandemic. And in Pandemic, there are just there's just moves that are more they're powerful or they're the, the quote-unquote right answer, right? Yeah. Just like in that other cooperative game we played, the right answer was to win the game because the goal, supposedly, for the last hour and a half has been us working together to win the game. And if you throw a curveball at the end, then that's fine if that's what you want your play area to be. But then to me, that's not an alpha player situation. If we're telling you, no, Derek, take the for sure win. Don't do the die roll. So I think sometimes that gets mixed in. Like yeah. maybe we should play Western Legend or something where you do get to be crazy and roll a dice or you know, some game with exploding dice where you take a risk. I think that's but that's not fun because that's not cooperative. I mean, that you, I don't affect you if by making the world burn. So I want to make it epic for you, Caleb, too. Yes, but it just depends on what it's, it's sort of like uh, some semi-co-op games. Like Dead of Winter can be ruined if everyone, so like in Dead of Winter, you're all trying to win, but everyone also has their own win condition. So the, like the team has to win, and then you have to win yourself. So the game works great if, you know, let's say I have a secret... 
uh, goal that I can't meet. Well, technically, I should still try to make the group win. That's what the, the board game mechanics need to make it a good experience. Yeah. However, you could argue that, look, I'm not going to help the rest of you win. I would rather everyone lose rather than just me. So if you then go about trying to destroy everyone, even when you're not the traitor, <laughs> then that ruins the game in, in, a, in, in a mechanical way. Like yeah. not like obviously at a table, like we're all friends. People can do something, tell a funny story, mm-hmm. ruin a game, you know, for the fun of it. Uh, but I think that was sort of coming into play with the pandemic. Now, talking about kind of players, I feel like, do you think I should give it a try at pandemic again? I think so. I think there's also ver- different versions. So uh, I think regular vanilla pandemic is, you know, pretty good. It's one of those games that's not fair almost at this point because so many other games just are variants on pandemic. So it, it makes pandemic when I play it feel a little stale, but it's sort of like in a movie when somebody does something really that's a breakthrough and everyone else copies it. When you go back to watch the original movie, you're like, I don't get what's so different about this because yeah. now it's ubiquitous. Uh, but I really like my favorite version of Pandemic is uh, Pandemic the Cure, the dice game, which has a lot more variants, which I think you would like. Okay. Uh, you know, there's games of it where you're going to roll the dice and you're going to roll w- really well and you're going to win easily. There's going to be games where you're going to lose almost immediately because the variant is just so uh, wi- more widely distributed. Uh, it's also a smaller board. It's easier to get to the table. I think it's much better uh, from a solo Uh, standpoint so i would try pandemic the cure now um what is have you what is the worst type of player that you uh, that you have experience with like or which which type of player do you think that you would enjoy like we have the alpha player we have the secretly information kind of player we have the player that doesn't want you to touch the uh, cards without gloves we have different different amount of players what would be your least your least favorite type of player uh, i think there's anybody who's not taking care of everybody's feelings at the table. So, uh, you know, if it's a long game or, you know, some games are only fun because uh, the, the turns zip around the table, right? So it's a five-second turn, a 10-second turn, and it's fun because you're sort of moving around the table and always keeping active. And if somebody's checking their phone and every time it's their turn, you got to say, hey, it's your turn. And they say, oh, let me finish this. And then they start to talk. And then they start, that can bother me because I'm a very much a math person. So when I'm playing games, uh, many times I'm thinking, okay, He's taken about two minutes. Okay, this is an hour game. That means like you, I, in my brain, I'm doing it, and I'm not saying I'm not guilty of you know doing AP or something like that. I was about to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying it's always intentional, but in my brain, I, I always want to do more, more, more. I want to play, play, play. So I want to play for 10 hours, but I want to play as many games as possible. I don't want to play one game for 10 hours. So when people do that kind of thing, you know, especially back in the day when I had to find a babysitter and really like arrange my life for this game night. It would really frustrate me that people were sort of just not paying attention. They weren't moving the night forward. Uh, yeah, probably that. So I want to say that if at some point you travel to Indianapolis and if you want to have experience the playing with somebody that is like a chess that, you know, you're taking time and all stuff, especially on a trip, invite your good friend Caleb Wiles to that trip because he will have an Excel a spreadsheet about how much time did you spend playing that game and how much time we have the rest for the rest of the weekend in that way we can bring the, the bigger amount, squeeze the bigger amount of games on that time frame. To the fact that when we do our annual trip to St. Louis, Missouri, to Miniature Market, big advertising there, um, we ended up playing games on, uh, what is it called, the restaurant that we go always for Subways? Here, the McAllister's, McAllister's. Another sponsorship there. Okay, Caleb, number one. I, I have a feeling of which one it is, though. I think because I don't own the game, but I think you've been talking in a lot. And then I will ask you, once you name that game, I'm going to ask you why this one didn't wasn't included on that list. 
So here is. Tell me your number one. Now you're now you're scaring me because right before we started this list, I said I know I'm going to be forgetting games that would probably make the list. So I'm not going to be surprised if you throw one my way that makes me kick Western Legends. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I I think there's one that well, kicks Western Legends is fun, but I think there's more. At this point where we are, I feel like there's we have played way more deeper, complex games that we have had a blast with them as well. But anyway, go with your number one. Yeah, so my number one is the game I've probably played, like the, the, the like a significant game, not counting games that take 20 minutes, but like a game that's an hour and a half, two hours that I've played the most, um, is Blood Rage. Oh, I thought it was going to be Spirit Island. So Spirit Island, I think, could make the list, but I need to play it more. I sort of had one pocket of time where for a few months I played it a lot, and then I haven't played it again probably almost for a year. So that was on the edge of maybe putting it uh, on this list, but I, I feel like I want to have a, a more recent experience with it. What about Anachrony? Anachrony? So that's another one. I, when I was making lists, I was also trying to give a little variety. So like Anachrony is a very uh, long extended game. And Mage Knight is, so I sort of tried to, you know, compensate for that. Uh, I also haven't played Anachrony solo yet. Oh, okay. uh, so I'm, you're, you're missing a lot. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I have the Essential Edition, so it doesn't come with a solo uh, component, and now they have the new version out, so I'm going to get the new version uh, as soon as I can. Uh, but Blood Rage was another one that was, like, early in my gaming career. It was the first, like, dudes on a map, like, Simon, big, like, crazy-looking monsters game that I'd ever seen. I didn't even know that was a thing before Blood Rage. Um, and then I got the game thinking, I don't know who in the world is going to play this game with me. Because, again, it looks super intimidating. I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to get this to the table. And then my wife played it, and she loves it. That's her favorite game. Okay. So I think that's part of the reason it's my favorite as well. Uh, we sort of get to share that together. Um, so, I've yeah, I've played that game a ton with all kinds of family and friends. And it's always so tense because the board is so small, and you're always right on the edge of like feeling like you're 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 gonna get demolished. And the coolest thing about that game is, normally you try to win battles and you try to kill kill your opponents. And this game, there's like the uh, the pathway to victory where you actually are getting glory by dying in battle. So you can set up sort of like an engine of yeah. put a bunch of guys in, they all get killed, they all go to you know Valhalla. You're letting Ragnarok fall upon their heads, and you're you're gaining points that way. So again, I like this multiple path to victories. I like the tense uh, nature of it. It's got a battle system uh, that uh, is actually a lot of the game mechanic is drafting and knowing how to draft the right combo of cards. So it's got a very tense battle system that I really enjoy. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely a 10 out of 10 board game, Blood Rage. Blood Rage is always fun when I play it as well. I play it with some other friends I have played with you, and it's always fun. I don't think I have experienced any bad game of Blood Rage. And I feel like other one that is similar that has been growing on also on you as well is Lords of Hellas. Uh, which is with an uh, upcoming campaign as well, like a reimplementation or like a second version or whatever it is. Uh, but lots, lots of Hellas is coming up. I really, if you listen to some barking, it's my crazy dogs that are on the background, but don't mind, man. Uh, anyway, I, I want to recommend the show now that you were mentioning. Uh, I don't know if you have watched it, but it's a, a show made on, I think it's on Switzerland or somewhere like, somewhere like that. Like that, I'm sorry, it's called Ragnarok. It's on Netflix. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic show. Check it out, my friends. Caleb, your list was impressive, but you leave some good uh, jewels outside. You know, I mean, I, I I thought that you were going to bring, like I say, Spirit Island. Um, I feel like the other game that if you allow me to give you a recommendation that you should play, and I might as well just lend it to you, Robinson Crusoe. I only I only think that we play one or two times Robinson Crusoe, and I feel like that's a game that I love just because you die too much. 
uh, and that's what I like. I feel like you live, uh, uh, what is it, Hoplomachus. You actually love Hoplomachus. Uh, you live, uh, uh, what is it called, uh, the other one from Chip Theory Game? Uh, too Many Bones. Too many bones yep. I know you like that one too. Yeah, those are both on my list. At one point, Too Many Bones was my favorite game. I liked it the most. And yeah, there's just too many games, Derek. I love all <laughs> of We had to do a, a 200 top games ever. Caleb, okay, once again, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to follow your magic project, which, once again, I highly recommend it. Please do. Not only because he's my good, 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 very close friend, also because he's good as what is, at what he does. I mean, even if I fight someday with Caleb, which I know is not going to happen never and ever, but I, I will still recognize that he's great. He does great shows, and he's very, uh, you know, geek, nerdish, kind of like us. So if you are in that, t that type of things, which I know you are because you're listening to a solo podcast, So if you ended up and you made it this far, you probably are. I'm sorry, I have to tell you this, but you are a nerd because you listen to Solo BG Podcast. Um, you probably will enjoy the magic from Caleb. Caleb, once again, your website and your social media. Yep, it's just my name, CalebWiles.com. You can email me at Caleb at CalebWiles.com. And I'm on Facebook and all that stuff, but I sort of hate social media, so <laughs> I'm harder to find on there, I guess. But you have Twitter, right? I think you have Twitter. I have Twitter that I never open. I have Facebook that I, I check for the uh, local board game trades and that's about it but yeah you can find me on there follow him on twitter solo uh, solo bg podcast well you can follow solo bg podcast on twitter but follow uh caleb at caleb wiles it is just like that yeah caleb wiles on 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 um on Twitter, he's going to open a TikTok account very soon and he's going to start to dance over there and, you know, be on, start to twerk and all the stuff. So you will following him as well over there. My dear friends, this was episode number 97. Once again, very thankful for all of you for listening to this podcast as well. We're getting close to episode number 100. Thank you for all the love and support that you have shared. Uh, and I can wait to share with you the big news. Probably in the next episode will be official. Uh, at the midsummer, mid July should be official, and I will share it with you. And spoiler alert, you will be able to see me as well a little bit. So there you go. Stay tuned for that. Uh, and Caleb, thank you so much. Um, give us some last words for this episode because I know you will come for future episodes, especially for our tradition of top five games at the end of the year, which I know you you're not gonna say anything bad again about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the board game from Mighty W. Which that makes me happy and looking forward for the next, next top five. The Batman game is coming, which is from the same company, same designer, but better written. So that, I'm pretty sure you will love it and you will kick some asses with me over there. Um, some last words for this episode. Just thanks for having me and thanks for being my friend. And congratulations on almost 100 episodes. That's a, quite an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Remember, like, I remember before we go, one of the first advances from Caleb was make it short, make it simple. I, I don't I don't enjoy listening to long episodes and whatever, whatever. I like for my ep my podcast to be concise, go to the point, 10 minutes is too much, do eight and whatever. And that's why that's why Pigs of Glory was only 11 minutes. And he actually, after he was like, you need to write a script. You need to make it more concise and whatever, whatever. Okay, Caleb, I'm sorry, man. Now we're doing an hour, an hour and a half, because, but it's, it's a hobby. So you need, to, you need to bear with me. You be you. You do your thing. I, you're doing a good job. <laughs> All right, my friends, this was Solo VG Podcast. Like always, remember... For victory, go tell your friends. Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop. <laughs>